All right, this is per- hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, no. this first issue club. This week we are back in our top five best of list with Image, Big Two, and Writers. <laughs> Welcome to the first issue club. We back. And we're talking about our top five best of list. This is the culmination of the two-part diptych double episode where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> the old diptych. The old di- these need to be viewed in two parts. They are not standalone, although they came out a week in different order. Uh, <laughs> and so we're going to go through uh, what our top five image books were, our top five big two, that's DC and Marvel, and then our top five writers. Um, first Issue Club, if you don't know, is a comic book podcast where we normally cover first issues uh, weekly, all the hyped, most talked about books, and we help and lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky world that is the comic book landscape. We love you, we love comic books, and we love fucking ranking things, so that's what we're going to do the year end. You might be celebrating the New Year's, um, you might put a little... Uh, playlist on like a Spotify thing or something like that what I recommend to you is that you hijack that playlist and you just play this episode and everybody will uh, dance and jump out a window fornicate jump out a window whatever you the result you want at your New Year's party this podcast is the only way that's gonna happen who do we have in the club today and what is your New Year's (laughs) resolution this is Greg Lake time my New Year's resolution is to not only become a better person and a person I want to see out in the world, but it's also to make more money so I can buy more comics so I can make this podcast go on for infinity. That's good. I say that's good. <laughs> oh, did Foghorn Leghorn join the podcast? I say, I say that's a good uh, resolution. It's Budget King. Uh, next year, I hope to uh, take care of my body better, change my oil, play my pay my parking tickets. My wife is a beautiful lady. I want to be uh, nicer to her in 2018. And uh, I want to back some more Kickstarter shit. And I want to carry a cane that unscrews into a knife in case there's ever a Terry attack in my work. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking shit. One thing that Terry's cannot fight back against is knife canes. Yep. My name is Mike D. My resolution for next year is to fit in any pants that I own. Uh, I expanded a lot this past year. I lost a gallbladder, and now I am ballooning. Really? I'm wearing good. I'm wearing sweatpants, as I have for the last (laughs) four months of my life. (laughs) If I buy a new pair of pants, they do not fit me weeks later. Well, take it from me. I'm looking. You look great. I'm looking forward to finding my set weight. And investing in a pair of pants that will fit me for the long run. <laughs> well, I mean, you were uh, literally disappearing before our eyes uh, last year, so I feel like this oh, is a good yeah. trajectory. I'll say, if you're a, a regularly regularly occurring clubber, you may have noticed there was a stretch that I was gone for a while. It was probably when I weighed about 115 pounds. And I am back up to 155, 160 now. There we go. That's so a good weight. I'm a healthy boy for my... <laughs> That's a fighting weight. For my height, but none of my clothes fit me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like at one of the best weights of my life, and I'm only nine pounds bigger than you. So <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. My name is Caitlin, and I think my resolution is going to be 
to make all the appointments for my physical and mental ailments. <laughs> you know, because health insurance and why not do it while I have it. And yeah, probably a good decision, right? Great Just get like a battery run. I'll say that there's a million things that I did this year based up like born out of my health problems that I wish I would have talked to my doctors about years ago. But because I was in such like a weak state, like all the smaller things that were health issues for me, like boiled to an amplified, just like have to act on this now mm -hmm. or, or my world is going to just crumble. Oh my God. So, so it was definitely like if you have little things that like even think like any sort of medical field can help you with, go do those things. See your dentist. See your eye doctor. Yeah. See your general doctor about all the things that trouble you. That's what I've, pl I've planned. I've gotten as far as, like, putting numbers into an app on my phone of, like, people I need to call. Yeah. And then I just have not done that. Yeah. 2018 or 2019 is a good year to start. Yeah. Let's get. <laughs> you said yours, right, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. I, you just sounded so bored with the let's. Like, oh, sorry. Let's try again. Let's. <laughs> Can we be very, very passive about this one? <laughs> We're all just like, let's, let's get this podcast up we got image comics what were the best top five image comics this year in 2018 well buddy we're about to tell you coming in at number five is infidel on image comics in case you forgot <laughs> <laughs> that is right and i this was a rare occasion where we didn't actually cover this first issue but boy was it a banger I was talking to all my buddies who read comic books uh, about this first issue when it came out. It had a lot to do with, uh, you know, being a Muslim in America, and it turned the idea of um, bigotry and fear of, you know, people coming into your country and into your space and making that a sort of personified evil in a sort of ghost story. And the way the story progressed was just unnerving and freaky and very supernatural. And it told a very intense story that got a lot of buzz very quickly. Um, unfortunately, this was only a six-parter. So we got the story... Uh, Pretty in, quick. In and out pretty quick, right? It yeah. came out on a pretty regular basis. Mm -hmm. uh, got to the end. Got an interesting, like, 
resolution to it. And it was uh, a book book I loved. I thought it was great. Really nice, well-packaged horror book on a lot of people's year-ends list as well. Yeah. Um, I know NPR put it on theirs. Um, and it's like a quick, digestible six-part horror series. Yep. This actually got upgraded f- on our list from surprise hit to just regular full-blown image hit. Like, it, we, this book was really just phenomenal. What We talked about how Image didn't have many flagships or many big hits this year, and Infidel was definitely one of them. Yeah, art was beautiful. It was very relevant. It I feel like genre stuff has been huge this year. Horror has made a comeback in a huge way. Mm-hmm. And that that genre itself seems like it's almost starting to defy genre. Like, there's a lot of sub-genres within horror now, and it's doing more mainstream things, um, at least in the film industry, and, of course, mm-hmm. transitioning across all the other industries as well. Um, great book, great art, great themes throughout. Right. Um, worth a read, perfect book to pick up and trade and read in an afternoon and if you're into horror stuff. I can't remember. Was this happening around the time when... Trump was putting the halt on uh, immigrants coming into the country. 100%. I think, and that's what really kind of Well, I mean, fueled, which is current still, right? Which is, I've... yeah, uh, ongoing forever, unfortunately. But I think this was just when he started a, his um, ban on um, immigrants. Yep. Which, uh, to the book, it, it actually helped its kind of popularity because, that, I mean, the timing, unfortunately, couldn't have been perfect for relevancy. You're exactly right. That happens a lot, I think, when you've... And especially, like, there's... Obviously, there's themes like that in culture that um, are boiling to intense relevancy and controversy. But this one specifically just happened to have a hyper, hyper relevant news event occur around the exact same time that the actual book hit newsstands. So, yeah. Props to Infidel. Pick it up. Classic case of, uh, we're going to say this a bunch, but we uh, this is in trade. You can pick it up. Um, you can read it for fun. Do all that kind of stuff. I think it's a one of five. We said one of six, but it's one of five. Um, all right. Next up, we have Analog. What, what's crazy about this book and some other stuff that we're going to say on here is this got optioned after the first issue as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so this is a little bit of like... This world is crazy. It's a futuristic world, but it's this is just like essentially like kind of a crime noir book mm-hmm. as well. So it's like those two things don't really make you sell you on a book. Um, but the premise of this world is that like you you want to stay off the grid essentially. That's why it's called analog. Yeah, everyone's um, too on the grid. Yeah, and so there are people who have been able to like remove themselves from the grid, right? Because they're too hyper connected, right? And so there's just tons and tons of commentary, funny commentary, like honestly, like I wouldn't say hilarious, but like really like poignant commentary on the use of technology while having a, a real fun action book. Uh, a dude and his father yeah. are uh, yeah. prominent in this book, and certainly not an uncommon theme uh, this year being. Uh, that it, uh, technology has taken over someone's lives. But when you have someone like Jerry Duggan writing this piece, 
Yeah. It takes it to a whole other level. It'd be very easy for this to have been like a super tropey overdone. Like, don't you hate how much everyone's into tech nowadays? Like, that is fucking tired by now. Mm -hmm. But he did something really interesting with it. Not only made it like a super genre crime noir sort of thing, but I love the fact that this guy is kind of a uh, crime syndicate inside man who makes a living out of being a paper courier. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you can't track is fax machine, photocopied paper that is delivered via briefcase for high amounts of money. I think in the world that we exist in, like fax machines are almost outlawed (laughs) because we want to protect the exchange of information and monitor like every little thing that's happened. I even found myself rereading the first, I don't, I hardly ever reread comics. Um, but I just wanted to uh, stay on this and like kind of just check it out. And uh, rereading the first one, there was like so many little treasure things. The art is like bonkers, but there's like so many like packed in little tiny stories. Do you guys remember like the people having sex in the cab in the first issue? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're fully uh, torqued. Yeah. Oh, they were fully. Thank you. Yeah, they're fully torqued. Uh, there's just so much fun that's happening here. And this mm-hmm. author we, we love a lot. Um, so tons of uh, fun things to be had. Yeah, he writes a great... Uh Working man. He, yeah, <laughs> like a continual theme in his book seemed to be like that blue collar type mm-hmm. worker. Kind of down and out person that's also a hero. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. So he's great at, at, at that archetype, but he's also was, before he even started writing comic books, was a famous comedian mm-hmm. and, you know, writer for different TV shows and things like that. So there's a, certainly a level of humor in this that's. Uh, makes the book all the more digestible. Coming in at number three, we have Crowded. Uh, Crowded is another book that uh, got bought and optioned into a television show, and for a good reason. This comic book is fantastic. The basic premise is that there's a world where most things are crowdsourced, crowdfunded, um, and there's a main character who has been put on a crowdsourced uh, app to be murdered. Uh, They call her the Million Dollar Girl because her price got up to a million dollars, so she has to go onto an app called, it doesn't matter what the name of the app is, but she basically finds a protector um, or a guardian that helps her, and uh, so her and her friend uh, try to avoid being killed. Uh, by people that have crowdsourced to kill her. And um, this book is fucking phenomenal. It definitely seems to me like a book that like had to be written right now. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're in a world now where like Task Rabbit and crowdfunding is like just became commonplace and like our generation and even our parents' generation is like accepted. Like that's a that good point. Like this, m- this might even not be relevant in a couple years. No, like, I think I think in a in a in another year, this premise seems very played. Mm-hmm. But at the exact time that we got it, it was just like what a fun modern take on like what future America could be if you dial in like reality television and all these things into this like crowdsourced yeah like renegade entertainment this this author has written a lot of fun things uh welcome back which is a fun comic oh i love welcome back kansas city yep um a handful of other things heartthrob um out on oni um demonic some just other things so this is really fun one of the cool things that this author did is i i felt like wrote a really really strong lead uh queer character um, that is like the protector of the bounty hunter and her relationship is like 
great, just like totally believable. I think sometimes we get some queer uh, characters where it's like, oh, you're just gay for the sake of being gay. That's not the case here. Um, and I genuinely care about her relationship and her drama, um, which is just goes to show the writing capability. Yeah, the characters certainly have a very interesting depth and the way they contrast like the bubbly character who seems just to be like a absent-minded diva. But it's, it ends up being really deep. But ends up being like, yeah, re- a really complex character with like a really intriguing backstory and, and depth. All right, and we've reached ourselves to number two. The 2018 Best Image Book is The New World by Alice Cott and... Trad Moore. I'll say The New World was a book that I was looking forward to its premiere months before it came out. Tradmore is one of my favorite artists. Uh, I got introduced to his work in Marvel when he did the Ghost Rider series that introduced Robbie Rodriguez, mm-hmm. you know, another great minority character being brought into, um, you know, super popular comic books, mainstream comics. Uh, and the way he showed motion in his drawing was just unlike anything else I'd ever seen. Uh, just eye-popping beautiful. Uh, the art, preliminary art for this book was super striking, very futuristic, conveyed something that I just, like, love in sci-fi with, like, the worlds being built and the out-there costumes. The world seemed just massive and big and intriguing before I even opened a single page of the actual story itself. So this comic book does deals a lot with like a reality world um like putting yourself up on youtube hyper like streaming yourself a lot yep. and then also the gamification of like the world and like celebrity kind of like deathmatchy uh stuff um alice cott is an author that i love but is one of those like so punk uh kind of like authors that i'm not sure he like really laughs at himself ever like he's just, everything is hyper political he's doing days of hate right now um and has done like so many other like kind of like awesome great books wolf is one where he dips out of that yeah um and he just writes a great horror book here he dips out of his like political um stuff that he does which is great i love it but it may not be for everybody and just here he writes just a fucking awesome sci-fi kind of dystopian novel. Well, certainly, but it also has heavy themes of, like, there being, like, a border, a huge wall that's put up that, like, separates people. And My point is is that in other comic books, it's overt what he's doing. Yeah. It's, like, almost obnoxious, the, like, things that he's critiquing. Mm -hmm. Here it's, like, I I honestly believe anybody that even has, like, a modicum of an interest in sci-fi comic books would dip into this and be like, fuck, I love this. Yep. Well... I think the maybe one of the heaviest themes in this book, to your point, is young love and a Romeo and Juliet star-crossed lovers from two different worlds completely being thrown together. They have right. to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, one does. Yeah, one does. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's in their best interest that the other one die. And they just had this unique connection. Uh, you know, I think one of our main characters is pansexual and you know, loves his country for what he envisions America to be a symbol of. And then the other character, like, who is supposed to be enforcing the law, like, hates their country for what they've envisioned America to be. Like, one of the most interesting things of this was that justice was crowdsourced in it. 
in that uh, these bounty hunters kind of like track down these uh, criminals and then the public votes on whether the law enforcement kills the criminals or lets them live and go to prison or like face trial even. Right. Uh, so, I mean, really heavy political themes with, you know, justice and, and it, it contrasts these two characters so, so very starkly. And the fact that they have some sort of romantic encounter that later on gets entangled with her responsibilities as part of like a law enforcement and a, like a royal family, if you will, um, is, is very reminiscent of Romeo and Juliet and Shakespeare. Something that I need from comic books to rank them like this high, especially image books, is like great action. Like I just, yeah. I, I expect that out of comics in some ways. Like I can live without it, but like I need that. In mm-hmm. some ways, the action artwork and just the scenes in this is so uh, amazing, so fun. Yeah, it reminds me of kind of like a Robbie Rodriguez, like pulpy, machete mm-hmm. sort of <laughs> sort of like action movie. Yeah, um, what was even like the the vampire movie in Mexico? That's like a road oh, chase. Uh, Dust till dawn. Dusk till dawn. Yeah. Like it just has those like. That driving, it, you know, it, it does have a little bit of sparse. like John, John Wickness. Like sometimes there's just like big murder scenes. Yeah, know? right. Um, and and then it's also just a fun like futuristic America, which brings us to number one. Um, the best image book of 2018 is Ice Cream Man. Bum 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 bum. So we looked at this book not knowing at all what it was going to be when we picked it up and we covered it. We're blown away, and it continues to do the same thing uh, that it did in the first issue, which is it tells vignettes of horrifying uh, suburban horror stories that involve fucking up people's lives with this uh, reoccurring character that is an ice cream man uh, in lots of different ways. Um Right. That, that is still what's happening in these stories. They do connect in some ways. Um, and it's like a Tales from the Crypt type of thing. Um, but these stories are equally, every story, one after another, so good, self-contained and amazing. You are always getting more than just what you bought for, bought in that one comic book. Right. Um, and not only that, but like Budget King said, that these tales are... Yes, individual vignettes, but they all kind of are intertwined into a larger overarching story, which if you're a long time reader of that series is kind of a a, a fun little uh, storytelling device. And the artwork itself is kind of um, unique in like one episode, three individual stories were told throughout the same comic, but they didn't break it into like different sections like. The top of the page was the first story. The second page, the the middle part of the page was the second story. The bottom page is the third story, and it was just like, it was like a, a Neapolitan ice cream colored strip all the way through the comic book. So they've been doing some real innovative uh, artwork and some y- unique storytelling devices, and it's just been like consistently scary and tense and funny at some parts it and just overarchingly some of the covers we're going to push into some of our best covers of 2018 and yeah. they just kind of didn't 
but a lot of the cover artwork that they're doing is, is amazing too. Yeah, really kind of just kind of some cryptic visions and <laughs> this comic book is worth collecting. I think it will be praised for a long time and thought of uh, as like a very valuable comic book in the comic book uh, at less at least the horror landscape. Oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. for sure. It, this is uh, if you really like horror comics, movies, books. Ice Cream Man should definitely be on your radar. Mm-hmm. This is this was kind of an easy unanimous number one. I think Image would probably agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were on this podcast right now, they seem to be embracing it as one of their best, uh, most beloved comics at this point. I don't know if this got a television show. I would be surprised if it didn't. Um, it, I think it got optioned a little while ago, but again... Who knows where that goes? Yeah. Options can mean a lot of things. So the only one on here that didn't get optioned was New World. And that would be nigh impossible. <laughs> right. Yeah. And New World would be tough to do. Yeah. So. Good job, Image, for just fucking always selling shit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> for always being constant <laughs> yeah. in our lives. I mean, yeah, I think Tales from the Crypt is a great comparison for what this book feels like. And obviously there's a lot of... Um, serial type shows right now that are doing things like Black Mirror that are telling like mini vignettes that are kind of Mm sci-fi but not anything necessarily with like that singular host type character. Twilight Mm -hmm. Zone. Like Twilight Zone, right. Yeah. Uh, That, I don't know, has like a very nostalgic feel. There's something about the suburban vibe of the book that feels very like, and it doesn't drop off, which right? I think is the key. Yeah, it's, to this, like the, you would think there would be so many stories that like it would dilute itself and be like, eh, okay, that's a throwaway. Yeah, I think at this point it's hard to come up with a a real original horror story that's actually like striking, something that you could read and could actually like spook you. And this this book does it on a regular basis. Yeah, which is which is impressive, and I think some of that suburban scene and the the dynamic of like this ice cream man sort of character is something that just brings like I mean it some, is kind yeah. of like a Pennywise like spookiness back to it thing of like it mm-hmm. a little bit like there's a lot yeah. of this, this definitely draws some inspirations from if you're not Stephen scared King. you're definitely unnerved by some of the imagery um, alright so let's keep this ball a rolling um, real quick can I first just say uh, great year for Image Comics, mm-hmm. they did a lot of really awesome short-run books. Um, if you listen to the last episode, they weren't our uh, top publisher. They were kind of in the middle of the mix. Uh, I think if they had those longer, ongoing series that uh, were hyper-present and just killer, they would have made it a little higher. But that's not to say that they didn't have these really several really, really awesome individual story arc type books that uh, told some great stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just by sheer numbers, Image is publishing so much that they're always, I, I feel like they're always going to have yeah. a big year. Right. Um, and this was not a bad year at all for them. Every single book on the, the list that we said I would highly recommend for almost anybody, just a, a comic book reader, mm-hmm. whether you be old or new, um, would thoroughly enjoy. Um, here's we get into some fun stuff. Um, if you listened to last episode, you found out that we actually ranked Marvel and DC as our number one and number two publishers of the year, which was a big surprise for us, which made this list really, really fun to do. 
So what were the top five uh, big two books of the year combining Marvel and DC? Well, let's find out. We're going to start with number five. We have Iceman by Cine Grace. Iceman is crazy that it's getting number five, mostly because it's a re-up and it's a one of five. So uh, it's crazy that we are putting it in this list, but it is just that good. Iceman is a generic X-Men um, that happens to be gay. And Cine uh, Grace is an amazing writer and is writing the hell out of Iceman and has stolen um, our hearts and was an Insta uh, subscribe for my uh, pull list um, when I read issue uh, one. And I'm pumped that it's we're going to get issue four, I think, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has just been amazing. But, you know, the unique thing about Cine Grace specifically is that he's great about you know, building characters in a more interesting way and especially great at handling um, diverse characters. LGBTQ characters specifically. Right, right. I think three things that this book does, which finds itself on this list, which I, I, I honestly would not be surprised if it was not on a lot of other lists, although I think those lists are a little bit inaccurate and <laughs> uh, that this book should be on there. One, Iceman is critiquing X-Men as a whole, which yeah. which needs to be critiqued. It is a huge entity, and there needs to be somebody like pointing and making fun of it in some ways. So that's what Iceman's doing. It's a relationship of a superhero that's gay, which is really fucking fun to read. Um, and and rare the, to read. Yeah. Um, and just really interesting of a single dude figuring out his dating landscape. Um, so that's great. And then you, all of that, you get a, a really interesting X-Men story. Um, that's dealing with just a, a fun story of like figuring out what it what an X Men uh, needs to do, and yeah. so it's it's been great and fun. Well, in like his role changed, he's now like he was in charge of more things than usual and trying to find his place in uh, the X Men world and what it means to be a leader and how to lead and, and not only dealing with that, but like you guys said, with his relationship landscape and just what it means to be Iceman in a 2018 X-Men book. Which yeah. is one of the oldest X-Men. Or in the uh, original. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, now to be, and, and probably one of the least talked about X-Men currently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was really skeptical when this book was announced and when we covered it, but I have turned around on it, and it's actually very, very, very good. Uh, number four was highly contested in that we we made lots of arguments that it might need to be higher, but it, it alas, it landed at number four. We have Cosmic Ghost Rider. I think Co- Cosmic Ghost Rider made the list because he came onto the scene, obviously pinned by Donny Cates, who had a great year, which we'll talk about later, but he kind of came on the scene as, like, a goof a little bit, and then just in the, like... In the Thanos book. In the Thanos book, and just like... Jane Foster's Thor, Miles Morales, uh, Squirrel Girl in the last couple of years, like it caught fire. People could not get enough of Cosmic Ghost Rider, so much so that Marvel gave him his own series, and it was good. It was actually good. <laughs> like I it was think... fun and adventurous, and yeah, it's kind of like a, a weird, unique character, but they made him have heart. Oh, that that story was so good, and yeah. I think it's gonna like. It'll continue in some. It'll have repercussions now that it's, it's 
closed itself off. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just kind of pitch the idea of anybody that's moderately into like darker comics, like, hey, it's Punisher taking the mantle of Ghost Rider, but he's in space and his front tire is a planet. Uh, and he's trying to kill baby Thanos, but he decides to just be his father. Uh, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hell yes. Like, I'm, it's so zany and weird. But then it's just a straight sci-fi fun comic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it manages to be effort, effortlessly, like, humorous and compelling all at the same time. Obviously, like, a zany goofball character that like we said, gained enough traction to give fans like a short one-part series that was good enough to make our list of top four. Yeah. Uh, but he's made his way into a very mainstream co- comic book, mm-hmm. and he's going to be part of a Guardians of the Galaxy book that's coming right. up as like a main cast member. Right, which is bonkers. Love it. Uh, number three... Another Marvel book, we have... The Immortal Hulk. Mortal Hulk, written by... Uh, Al Ewing. Al Ewing. Um, and this book, we covered, and we... And this thing, this remains true for it. It is somewhat of a horror book. It's like somewhat exploring Hulk as more Frankenstein than superhero. Um, and this comic does that in ways... Explores Hulk in ways that really have never been... I think explored fully. I'm not a. I don't know the whole depth of Hulk's like everything, but I guess in modern Hulk that I've read, I have never read a Hulk book like this before. No, I think it's very much so Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde in a way that's much more terrifying than it's ever been before. The way that they tell the Hulk story and how unforgiving that character is, and how haunted it is, and just sick and tired of being, you know, managed or uh, taking a backseat to, like, human whim and morality just makes the character completely haunting. And they've done some really interesting things with the character dealing with its past struggles, both as Bruce Banner and as the monster Hulk and there's a handful of other interesting supporting characters that have been thrown in. I, To me, it's crazy to take such a iconic character that's been boiled down to such a cartoony um, caricature right. of, of what the character once was. Mm-hmm. Archetype, kind of. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then do something um, in 2018 that's so inventive and compelling with it like every issue of this that comes out there's praise on the front cover from another comic book creator be it independent or dc or marvel Mm -hmm. that i really respect and like love their comic books and they're saying this is one of the keystone comics of the year and it's just telling an invigorating story from and breathing new life into a character that's been so played out for so, so mm-hmm. long. Yeah. I can't say enough about this book. Uh, playing into the next one, number two overall big two book is Venom. We read Venom, and it was in the time when we knew Venom was a movie coming out. And so I think 
people kind of thought, oh, is this like a tie into the movie? Is this going to be like the story that gets to be the movie? This is the comic book that every single person in the comic book industry is talking about uh, this year. There's lots of like repercussions with the Marvel world and driving value of other books up Mm -hmm. of where the symbiote goes and all that kind of stuff. Um, You guys as webheads, why uh, why is Venom so good this time around? I've been so let down by so many Venom books in the past. I feel like it's always been one of those corny books that's been like dark and twisted, like this character is so metal and he's going to like riding a motorcycle. eat dudes and be like <laughs> tormented, yeah. And to uh, pull back and not only take a look at the uh, Venom symbiote, and it's like mythology and creation and the role it plays on like a universal scale to like bring some real importance to this backstory that you've grown to love reading Spider-Man books, but now has like this whole mythos behind it has just been very rewarding as a Spider-Man fan. Mm-hmm. But not only that, we're seeing Eddie Brock in a whole different light. We went back to the original Venom character who we haven't seen in a very long time. And he's having these really heartbreaking relationships with the symbiote. And uh, to see him at a point of weakness and to see the symbiote at a point of weakness and the way those two have uh, a unhealthy relationship but a incredible bond between the two... I mean, it's it's things I've just never seen with the character before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems just so obvious once it's done that you're just like, of course, this is what Venom should be and this is what this character has always been and should have always been. And now we're just getting it. So his the, the impact that's cascaded out of his run for this book, I think, is just really speaks to how impactful this singular book has been and how it's spurned off several, like, miniseries. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, Donnie Cates has somehow made it less about Venom turning into a large-mouth being that eats people and mm-hmm. uses his hand to cut through people, and it more focuses on the symbiotic relationship between the symbiote and Eddie Brock, which is, in some cases, far more interesting than just absolute zany terror that is caused by a little alien creature. Completely. All right. And number one, the uh, although it didn't get any of the top four, but below four books, our number one book is a DC book. It is Heroes in Crisis. Only on book four, I believe. Yeah. But So this is a hot take. My God, this book has been a fucking banger. Every issue has been mind-blowing, blowing up the Twitterverse every Wednesday and Thursday with speculation and spoilers and new hot takes on the goings-on in this book. I bought this comic for people at my office who are casually into comic books or have comic book fandom that they haven't been to a comic actual comic shop in a while, mm-hmm. and everyone is gaga for this. It's the art in it, the accessibility of it, the way it takes characters you love and gives them 
uh, the little bit of honesty. There's the whole confessional type of aspect that's used to tell some of the story. I think it's critiquing superheroes in a way that has not been done since Watchmen. Hot take. I mean, because I think that what Watchmen kind of set the tone for what would be writing about superheroes for the next 20 years, 30 years, to, like, take about, like, look at the inner psyche of a superhero. We're not looking at their home life. That's been done. That's what Watchmen did, right? Now we're looking about, like, how fucked up their life can actually be from being a superhero and, like, the mental health of that and what happens there. Like, Yeah, I can't hold a relationship or I can't uh, ever relax because people's lives are at stake. Yeah, and it's not Doom Patrol where it's like, it, it, I love Doom Patrol, but that's like playing into this idea of like, oh, these these weirdos that happen to have um, some type of weird mental deficiency. This is just like, as a superhero, you probably have some personality disorders, yeah. uh, and we're gonna explore that. And the that's PTSD whole... must be off the charts, right? Uh, and it's the covers have been amazing. Um, the story has been amazing. Like I said, it's only on issue four. This is what uh, the Doom Clock. Is that what that's called? Doomsday or, Clock. Doomsday Clock should have been. Like, it should have been this good um, into issue four. Um, Greg said it, too. There's so much, like, Twitter speculation and, like, weird stuff about who's going to die, um, who is the culprit. It's a mystery, too, at the heart of it. It's yeah. just, like, a fun mystery. Uh, and this this is great. And I think the stakes are super, super high, but also not super high because it's, like, this is a self-contained story. Um, too, that's just gonna like live on in like the echelon of like great DC uh, twelve part, however many part stories yeah. that they do so well. It's your classic DC crisis story. We had Infinite Crisis, Identity Crisis, now Heroes in Crisis. I mean, th- these are events that get talked about for decades, and so far this one is gonna be probably one of the best. Yeah, DC it's, crisis events. It's a classic in the making, and if I know Tom King, he's not going to let us down at the end of this. Yeah, it's going to be a slam dunk. Yep. That uh, concludes the big two, DC and Marvel, best of top five, bringing us to our final best of top five list, the best writers of the year, top five best of... 2018, I do want to say something, and it's that... This specific category had tens more nominees for us than any other category had. And this was the one that we had the longest conversation and had the hardest time uh, centering down on our five favorite. We're, I think, very creator-driven and creator-minded readers who have a fandom for certain creators. And they had to have done new books this year, too. Right. So that that kind of pieced out some of the other the authors that may have made it here. Right. Um, there was a lot of good stuff. We actually have... We're going to start with an honorable mention here. Um, Nendia Korafor, yeah. um, which did the uh, Wakanda series. She did Shuri. She did LaGuardia uh, this year. She killed it. Um, was amazing, but a lot of that stuff is has just kind of come to be. Shuri is only releasing three, I think, even this week yep. that we're recording this, which is, uh, spoiler alert, we've recorded this before you're hearing it. Um, <laughs> and so uh, 
whereas she has a ton of promise and is just an amazing author, I think next year I would be surprised if she was not in one of our top five, just straight up. LaGuardia, first issue, rocked my world. It's in, in the front of the book, it says an immigration story. And I mean, it just turns your head on what you think you're going to get in that book and does something really interesting. So I'm super stoked to see where that story goes. Um, can't wait. She's one of the most exciting creators that comic books has right now. Yeah. Also, I've heard that she's an amazing person, and I know that she's a great sci-fi writer outside of this. So right. She's she has a long life in the comic book industry. I Hell hope. yeah! I hope. Yep. Uh, all right. Starting with number five, the best writer of uh, 2018, the fifth best writer, Kelly Thompson. This was a personal favorite of mine this year with West Coast Avengers. You may remember her. She wrote uh, Hawkeye, uh, Rogue and Gambit, Mr. and Mrs. X. She has really uh, been a good get for Marvel this year. She wrote some phenomenal stories she really brought Rogue and Gambit's relationship to the forefront, being a kind of a pivotal uh, part of the X-Men, that relationship, in the last uh, later part of 2018. And West Coast Avengers has been just so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited that she she actually signed an exclusive deal with Marvel this year, and I think that was really smart on her end and on Marvel's end. Yep. it's She's another one of those... Uh, creators, I think, that does a really good job of taking superhero-type comic books and making them accessible for people who like romance or comedy or action. Like, she's written a bunch of different genre-type books all in one year in, mm-hmm. like, different uh, story arcs. One thing that we didn't talk about that she wrote this year was actually Ghostbusters Answer the Call, Yeah, uh, which was the female Ghostbusters comic book after the female movie, which we all collectively said was better than the actual movie. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, she's just a, a great writer. She's also currently writing the Nancy Drew comic, uh, which I know you kind of liked, right, Mike? Yeah, I dug yeah, that book, yeah. yes. So, um She's doing a lot of crazy stuff. She's a contributing writer to some of the Uncanny X-Men stuff that's going on. Um, so she is just, she's she's in it. Yep. Obviously, as we roll through that list of some of the things we talked about, uh, really good at writing female leads and yes. a lot of female-centered um, books, which is more important for our big publishers and uh, great for us as readers. Mm-hmm. Number four, we got Duggan. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Duggan. Jerry Duggan. We liked, uh, we mentioned him a lot. It's no surprise that he's on here. Uh, We liked him a lot when he was doing Deadpool. Um, He did a handful of things this year, one of which was Analog. Yep, Dead Rabbit as well. I think he's a writer who um, always gives you a comic that you step back from and say, like, wow, like, I love the world that's created. I'm super intrigued by the lead and really interested in knowing where the supporting cast goes. We mentioned before that he was previously a comedian and a comedy writer. So, again, these books have a sort of effortless pacing and a certain lightness to them that keeps you moving forward, all while getting a very like uh, 
seriously toned book that has a certain level of depth that um, really invests you more than some of those like lighter, funner titles. So I think I think he's someone who just consistently brings it, and he's had a few new books this year. Mm-hmm. Some of the just, Infinity War stuff. Yes, yeah. he did Infinity Wars, and yeah. those things have just hit the nail on the head. And he's just had a. I think he's had a big year with big titles. He wrote and, that uh, that Thanos legacy book that we were like talking about before mm-hmm. um was that the, the annual didn't he write the annual that we loved uh, he i think he helped contribute to it okay there was a c- couple people on that annual um and then dead rabbit which we sadly has been pulled uh because of a naming issue mm-hmm. uh so that didn't make any of our year-end lists but that was a phenomenal but it had so much yeah promise. the first two issues were great and it's so disappointing to see it uh get canceled for such a silly reason but it is what it is and hopefully maybe they can rebrand the name and just kind of redo it for 2019 because that book had a lot of promise yeah Yeah. so he did great stuff it's always fun to see an author that we like uh, have a big year and so yeah um, he had a huge year analog alone got him into this list um and that was super fun at third for writer of the year at least the third one in 2018, <laughs> is Daniel Kibblesmith. We already talked about Daniel Kibblesmith. He did Lockjaw. He was originally from Click Hole, um, and he had a great breakout year for comics, writing comic books that were just super fun to read. Yeah, I think he's immediately got a certain fan base, and people come to his books for um, a certain thing they, they want from his breed of storytelling which is quite a fucking accomplishment for somebody who's like brand new to the scene Mm -hmm. yeah it was you're you're exactly right they come searching for a certain type of humor and storytelling and he does not disappoint on any of the books that he has done this year so he did that black panther versus deadpool which looked stupid but was actually not bad um he did quantum and woody uh, which we loved uh, this year, and uh, Valiant High. Um, so he did some like really, really great things this year, and it was super fun to have read uh, all the stuff that he did this year. I think with and I think I don't think we've ever, we've ever talked about this, but with the website like Clickhole, it's strictly satire, and comics really benefit from satirical writing because sometimes I feel like the comic book world can get a little full of itself. And when you bring in writers or creators that can kind of dismantle the assumptions of what our industry really is and kind of expose the, the bare bones of it all, I think if it, if done correctly, everyone really benefits from that kind of um, uh, humor. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. He's done some great stuff and definitely had a great year. So totally fun to celebrate him. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we get into our number two, um, Thomas King. Heavy hitter. This was an easy one for me. I was like, no way he's not in our top five. No question, no discussion. I mean, this guy fucking destroys everything he does. And, uh, I mean, in a, like, when I say he kills it on everything he does, I mean, like, in a, transcendent way like there's a certain level of importance and bigness and epicness to the things that he writes that make you feel like 
you're reading a classic even though it came out like just today. Uh, Vision read that way. If you read Vision on Marvel Comics a couple years back, Mm -hmm. like every single issue of that rocked my world. He started writing uh, Batman, Batman, which is no small task to take on one of yeah. the biggest superheroes in the world. If Too not critical acclaim. The biggest. And Didn't you write the Penguin one? Yes, the new well? story arc yep. with the Penguin that uh, a lot of people took as like a new jumping in point. That's good. Yeah, we loved that story arc. We covered that on uh, First Issue Club in uh, a few weeks ago. Earlier yeah. episode, yeah. And um, then he, I haven't seen this. Well, he's doing Heroes in Crisis, which is the obvious reason why he's on here. Right. Right. Well, and I was going to say, I haven't seen this before, but he was actually on a late night talk show talking about comic books. He was on Seth Meyers. I heard that. I hadn't seen any comic book creator in the last five years beyond, besides uh, Kirkman. You know what I mean? Like, that's quite an accomplishment to make such an impact in your industry that other forms of entertainment are just like, hey, come on. To my avenue and talk about it. <laughs> Do my thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I not only is he making big waves in the comic book, but it's also kind of rippling out to other forms of entertainment, which is hard to do. He's one of those two that, like, old heads like a lot that are just like, oh, I just want classic shit. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, new alt people or, like, newer alt people, maybe, like, a little bit more in our lane, love too mm-hmm. and I think to, to hold both of those worlds is a really careful balance these days and he does it so well yeah um, alright we're gonna get straight to number one um, for the best writer of the year it probably is predictable but it is Donnie Cates Donnie Cates is a uh, fucking fucking powerhouse yeah he's a prolific writer totally he's done so many great things God Country Baby Teeth um Lots of other things that he, but this year he killed it. Uh, probably the things that sending him to the number one mostly might be um, Venom, uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Death of Inhumans. Um, but he did so many other things this year too. Um, I, I don't know how he has the time to write all the stuff that he does. I he is a machine. He must have a very regimented writing schedule and. He must have just uh, an infinite amount of ideas he can pluck from. But, I mean, he has revitalized Venom. He created a brand new character he's in sti- Cosmic Ghost Rider. He's still keeping up Rednick, which is a, f- is a phenomenal book. about Yeah, yeah Vampires. Which we, is so, a- yeah, we knew him as an independent comic book creator. But he came into mainstream comics with a fucking wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, to say, like, obviously we had other like writers on this list that are fucking great writers and there's plenty of other writers that we didn't mention that did amazing things and are consistently killing it but when it comes to just having a fucking year mm-hmm. i mean did this guy just break out in a big way or what i mean i can't compare the year he had to like anybody since maybe like Jason Aaron took like the helm of Marvel, say that, man. and you know, just like like, hey, take any fucking book you want at Marvel Comics and do whatever you want with it, just because you're you're killing everything you're touching. Yeah, like they let him do new the new Marvel Knights book, yeah, and he's he has like you know 
four or five other series at any given time that like he's involved in or the head writer on. Yeah, that Marvel Knights book almost made our list like three times. We kept on almost putting it on there. But it's just so new that yeah. we had a hard time uh, squeezing that book on. I mean, he got into that uh, Doctor Strange run right. that got us back into that character. He did really inventive things with uh, Loki and mm-hmm. changing over the mantle of that. Uh, what a fucking interesting guy doing crazy interesting things and telling great stories with characters who, at this point, we feel like everything there is to have been done, they've done it with these characters, and this guy's just leveling our expectations. Right. I I was once in love with Matt Kent and then met him, and he fulfilled all of my expectations, and Donny Cates is the new person that I can't wait to meet at a con and just be like... I like you. Yeah. Where do you you Uh, live? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately for Mike D and I, he was at KC Comic Con like four years ago. And I think we had the opportunity to meet him or we did meet him. I can't remember, but I think you met him and I missed him. Yeah. And I still am bummed out that I didn't get to meet Donny Cates before he blew up to what I assume is only going to be superstardom. Oh, completely. Mm -hmm. He's uh, any convention he'd go to, he'd be one of the top names at, the, at this point. At this point, fucking he's, mob. he's the most buzzworthy, one of the most buzzworthy guys in comics right now. He'd be the one guy that has to now sit at tables while Uber nerds drop off twelve comic books in front of him to have him sign, <laughs> so they can sell them on eBay. Like that's his life now oh, with God. Scotty Young and Jason Aaron and all those dudes. He has to now sit and watch these guys trying to make a book. Yeah, with his signature, he's the pink-haired Scott Snyder. <laughs> He's the short-haired Alan Moore. There you go. But you earned it, Donnie. I mean, the the way he tells stories, like like we said, we've lifted some, listed some of the comic books he's done. He's told incredibly humorous, lighthearted stories, and he's told really dark, serious stories, too. And uh, to give me two different polar opposite styles of, of book that both kill it and that I just completely love. Like, if you gave me Cosmic Ghost Rider and then also gave me Venom and Marvel Knights, I would tell you three different people for sure oh, absolutely. wrote yeah, those. Absolutely. So he's he he's transcending a signature style at this point right. for me, too, he's, which is all the more impressive. He's super versatile, which is good for Marvel. It makes him a fucking mm-hmm, threat right. to anyone else. Yep. We've underplayed Death of Inhumans, but that book is sure in, in oh city. oh yeah, yeah that yeah. It, and how much does that speak to his writing that we are actually forgetting books mm. that he did that yeah. are just as phenomenal as the ones we were mentioning yeah all right that wraps it up for this uh an end of year best of top five list we have had so much fun doing this and we um are consistently thankful for anybody that took the time to listen to this um, like I said, at the beginning of this whole thing, we're going to be posting all of these lists. Um, feel free to tell us if they suck. I'm sure you won't hold back, Comic Book World. Uh, but uh, give us your feedback. Let us know what you think um, or, uh, or not or whatever. But just thanks for listening, and we really appreciate it. This, we're, in 2018, we are certainly thankful for having listeners, subscribers, being able to do this every week has been the best part of all of our lives, um, I think, without a doubt. Um, although, I mean, I have a child and a wife, so I like, <laughs> I like those things too, but, um, 
Now anyway, the, yeah, I'd say the yeah. you know the support we get and how much the podcast has grown over the past year uh, is just killer. So it's it's really fun to be part of the comic books community and even the smallest capacity and to have people who listen to us and uh, have conversations with us every week is uh, very humbling and very rad. And we we don't take it lightly. We appreciate every every listen and every subscription and every rating that we get. Yep, we uh, your your time is is precious, and giving any of it to us, we we thank you. So that uh, that does it for uh, 2018. This might this episode is likely even in 2019, but it does it for us in 2018. Right. Um, and so we are recorded in case you are studios. We are edited by Matt Hodap. A lot of uh, what we talked about today was inspired by the constant 24 seven conversation we're having with Matt Hodap. If you don't hear his voice, you hear his spirit. Um, <laughs> And uh, our music is by Primary Color Music, and we're part of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Please rate and subscribe like any of us uh, or all of our stuff on social media and all that kind of stuff. Look for big things in 2018 or 2019, sorry. Um, We are super excited to kind of just blow up what we're doing and do even more stuff. This has been Budget King. Do yourself a favor and read some goddamn comics. This is Greg Liktai, and I would like to mirror what both Budget King and Mike D have said. You guys have been so, so, so wonderful in accepting us into the comic book community. We really enjoy being here. Uh, we like talking with you guys about comic books. We love them. We know that you love them. So to share in that conversation with you guys has been a real treat for us. Um, follow us on all the socials. Like Budget King said, we have a lot of a lot of cool things coming out for 2019 that we are really excited to share with you guys. Um, so yeah, see you in 2019. Be good to one another. And this is Greg Liktai signing off. I will echo what the boys have said. Many thanks and all the gratitude. Have a happy holiday season. My name is Caitlin, and I will show myself out. So I am. <laughs> What the fuck? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, do, do you mind if I uh, step in here, Mike D? Uh, no, go ahead. Is that you, podcast demon? Of course it is. I come to you from the depths of the podcast recording equipment to wish you a satanic new year. I'll be with you, I'll be watching you, I'll be lurking from the depths of the night, invading your earbuds and all of your podcast dreams. Oh, Jesus. Fucking hell. podcast demon, we've never asked you your name before. It's just occurred to me that in the getting to know you process, that step was skipped over. What's your name? Yeah, we gave you just like a name, but that's a good point. My name is... Blaggle Yogglepuff. Blaggle Yorpuff? Yogglepuff. Is that Nordic? Yogglepuff. Is that Greek in origin? I I threw paper into fire, and the fire brought forth some satanic symbols. (laughs) Okay, it's like... In a language of yore. Hey, you you know, uh, Blaggle... I'm just going to go back to our old podcast demon name. Um, not super appreciative of you burning down our fudge mansion. Yeah, but, what the hell, man? But, uh, well, I mean, shit happens, you know, you, 
you harken my name enough or not enough, I, I'm never quite happy. <laughs> but thanks for haunting us and being here uh, as well. We're in a thankful spirit, so even you, podcast demon. Sure shit. <laughs> so uh, I'm guessing we'll see you in 2019? Fuck yeah. <sighs> All right. Can you bring back Mike D? Yeah, hey. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, buddy. Sorry about that. I, I didn't mean you were free to get cut off like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, takes over. Yeah. I'm Mike D, and I just want to say, I love you. I love you so much. I hope you sleep tight tonight and tuck yourself in because I love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.